Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. Here on the podcast, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, for lots of free resources for teachers. Download any and all of them right on the homepage, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, and I am your host. It is Monday, uh, November, not October, Monday, November 15th, 2021. And I am so excited to be here today for what is a solo episode. Um, you know, if you've been listening for a couple weeks, couple months, you know that for the past several episodes, I've had some really cool guests on the show. I'm always so grateful when people either reach out or I reach out to them and they're willing to be on the show. And uh, I hope that you have been enjoying those conversations. I would love to know any thoughts that came up for you when you were listening, any new things you've learned. So feel free to send me a direct message on Instagram at Bare Bones Yoga and let me know if you've been enjoying them. Um, for today, it's going to be just me. <laughs> I actually, when I started the podcast, did a lot of solo episodes. So it's nice to kind of get back to uh, just doing one today where I can just share some information for you and maybe some thoughts and you know, maybe some inspirational thoughts as well uh, to just kind of support you on your journey as a yoga teacher. So I wanted to just start out and just give you a couple heads up. Uh, this week, I actually just today posted my schedule for online classes. I opened, I guess I could call it, I opened a virtual yoga studio uh, about a week and a half ago. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's behind that, because maybe it'll be something that resonates with you in terms of something that you want to do. Um, so to, uh, about a week and a half ago, I opened a virtual yoga studio, meaning I really decided to commit to offering regular weekly yoga classes. <clears throat> and I had kind of a specific idea in mind, and I'll share a little bit more about that with you in this episode. Um, for the class schedule, these classes are all free. And all you need to do is go to the virtual class page of my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you can join me for class. They are free and they are 30 minutes only. So uh, there's really just low, low barrier to entry, not a lot of time and no cost. So you can go to the virtual class page. I would love to have uh, have you join. I have had a couple folks last week who uh, told me when they were in class that they joined because they heard about it on the podcast. So I hope uh, I hope that you can join. And then the other thing I wanted to let you know is I'm really excited because uh, this week on Wednesday, I'm gonna be doing a brand new workshop. 
meaning the content is content I've never shared before. I created a new PowerPoint and I uh, wanted to share uh, some concepts in exercise science that are things that yoga teachers don't often get exposed to in their 200 hour training. And it's because these concepts don't really live in basic anatomy. And basic anatomy is what yoga teachers learn in their 200 hour training, but these are, I don't wanna necessarily say higher level concepts. They're really concepts that have to do more with how the parts of the body work together and either work together well or don't work together well. And so it's really beyond just the parts, learning the parts of the body. So I, I really feel like this will be new content for you. It'll be really interesting. And it's really designed to shed some light on why students have alignment in their poses in the way they do when we might look at them and think, why isn't that person doing the posture correctly? Or don't they hear the kinds of cues I'm giving? Or why are they not responding in a way I want them to respond? Sometimes there's just this unconscious movement that's happening that's a result of some things that have developed over time. And so I'm gonna go over uh, a bunch of concepts that fall into this category in this workshop. The other really cool thing that I added to the workshop is when you enroll, you'll get the download for the workshop workbook, <laughs> which basically means that you don't have to take notes. You can just print this out and maybe just jot a couple things in the margin. But I basically am giving you all the information that I'm going over in the workbook. Um, it's even better than if I give you the slides because the slides don't have or have some things that you probably don't need, which are just conversational pieces. But, um, but all the definitions, all the terms, everything will be in the workshop workbook for you. So this is a new format I'm trying out. I'm gonna be going between the presentation uh, of the slides and just talking to, to folks that are there. You'll have the workshop workbook. So I really think you'll walk away with some new knowledge. So to register for that, you can just go to the events page of my website and I'll be posting about it all this week on Instagram in the beginning of the week. Um, so that is what I wanted to share in terms of just announcements. Uh, in terms of the topic for today, especially because um, this idea of opening a virtual class studio has been kind of top of mind for me. I thought today what we could go over are just some different ideas for sequencing your classes. Now, I wanna just share with you kind of the logic behind how I approached offering free classes. And you know, maybe some of you are listening right now and saying, Karen, yo, you're kind of late <laughs> to get into the virtual class thing because we've all been teaching virtually since March of 2020. Where have you been? And I'll just share a little bit with you and maybe this will, you know, kind of hit home for some, for some folks. I really, um, I don't want to say I resisted teaching online, but I really held off on teaching regularly online at the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020 and really sort of continued, well, not sort of, I really did continue to work virtually with teachers who were enrolled in my program, my signature program on anatomy called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. So I was quote unquote teaching virtually. I just wasn't teaching classes. I was continuing to support teachers in my own 
anatomy program. So I felt like I had a connection to teaching online. What was, what was really missing for me was a regular class schedule where I had to show up at a particular time and teach students online. And you know that uh, definitely was something that I didn't have. <clears throat> Both the studios that I had been working for for many, many years closed during the pandemic and they did not reopen uh, in, in physical form. They did have online classes. I just didn't pursue you know, teaching for those studios online. Because I think in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, maybe after six or eight months, things will get back to a point where people will come back to the studios and I'll make some new connections to, to teach. And what ended up happening was uh, once the vaccine came out, once things started to open up more here in the Boston area, I did reach out to some colleagues. I did meet with some folks. And what I was hearing was that they just weren't seeing people in the same degree or to the same degree that they were prior to the uh, shutdown. And so I started to think about like, why is that happening? And I think this, this kind of mirrors some of the national conversation here in the US around why are people quitting their jobs at such a high rate? Why are people not returning to their jobs? Why are people resistant to go back into their offices to work? And believe me, I'm not planning on going into any of that here on this podcast because it's outside the scope of what we discuss. But I think what it points to is just a recognition of trends and also a recognition of meeting people where they're at. And I think that certainly is a conversation that's part of talking about all those other uh, economic things that I just mentioned. But in the context of yoga teaching and yoga students and kind of the average yoga consumer, uh, it seems that there has been a definite shift in the way people consume yoga classes. This is just my opinion based on some of what I've just shared with you, this kind of anecdotal research I've done. And, um, and so I started to think about, well, how can I meet people where they're at right now? Because I was really starting to feel <laughs> like there was just this, this hole in my schedule and in my, um, in my uh, business for a primary thing that I used to do, which is teach classes, teach public classes. And so that um, background really led me to creating this idea. And it's certainly, I'm sure there are other people maybe doing this, or maybe you've had this thought, but it's what, it, it's what was the catalyst to my um, coming up with this format of free classes online and limiting them to just 30 minutes. Now you may be thinking, geez, Karen, how much yoga can you really get in, in 30 minutes? And along with that, how much benefit can you really give someone in 30 minutes? Well, try it. <laughs> why don't, you know, if you're, if you're on the fence or unsure, why don't, why don't you practice for 30 minutes? Do it three times this week and see how it feels in your body. You know, again, that's not a scientific approach, but I think um, it's worth trying. And especially if you're a yoga teacher and you're not sure that you could create a 30 minute sequence that you feel would be of value to people, um, it would be a great exercise just in your own uh, experience as a teacher to do. 
My logic behind offering 30 minute classes is because I really want it to be easy for people to fit into their schedule. And my logic for offering classes free is because I want there to be absolutely no barrier to entry for people. And so I think with those two things combined, it becomes an attractive offer. And it really is a nod to recognizing where we're at right now, uh, at least here in the United States, in terms of um, controlling the pandemic, in terms of people shifting the way they consume uh, services that traditionally were just offered in person. And, you know, some of you may be thinking, well, that sounds great, but I want to get paid. And believe me, <laughs> I, uh, for a long time, have always integrated into my conversations with teachers, and I have some episodes here on the podcast about it, conversations about business. And I have, you know, a lot of thoughts, which maybe we can go into in different episodes, um, about knowing your worth, knowing what your worth is, knowing what your rates are, so that when you have conversations with people about private sessions or special, you know, yoga scenarios they might want you to teach in, you have at the ready what your rates are so that you don't stumble over your words and so that it's really clear that you um, know what your worth is. I think though, there are oftentimes really good reasons to do things for free. Over the years, I have certainly done some charity things uh, where I've taught for free. I've also occasionally taught for free when there was a relationship I wanted to develop with whoever was hosting my class. So let's say it was a particular nonprofit or um, it was a yoga studio that I wanted to develop a relationship with. That might be a reason you offer something for free. I think in the context of this, there's part of my motivation which has to do with getting back into a regular schedule of teaching and really needing to show up to teach. You know, I think there is a big transformation that teachers go through when they um, need to show up to teach versus when they are not teaching regularly and they you know, show up every once in a while to teach. When you have a regular teaching schedule, which prior to March, 2020, uh, for those of you listening who were teaching at that point, that's what we all had. We had a regular teaching schedule. We needed to show up. We needed to leave our homes and go to the studio and take the trek to get there and all of and teach and then come home. I did not have that as of March 2020. And for those of you listening who who don't have that still, this is an opportunity for you as well to create your own series of free online classes so that you do need to start to show up regularly. And and what um I'm finding is that number one, it feels really good. You know, being able to use a skill that I really wasn't using for the past year and several months has been transformative for me to be able to get back into using that part of my brain um, and that part of personal expression and being of service in that way. The second thing is offering it as free is a way to just generate brand awareness for me get in conversations with people, get in front of people live and in person, well, not in person, but live and in person online versus recording. 
I do have a practice portal, which is uh, a series of almost a hundred recorded sequences. And that is something people can buy anytime on my website, but those are recorded sessions. This has been so cool because people show up live, I show up live, we can have conversation before class starts, we can have conversation when class ends. I will actually say one of the really interesting things for me is when I would teach in person, I would generally um, have pretty minimal conversation with students prior to class. And after class, if someone asked a question, of course, we would have some conversation. What I'm finding with these virtual classes is sometimes I'll have some chit chat before class begins and sometimes after class as well. So I kind of feel like there's even more interaction between me and the students than when I was teaching in person. Um, I'm also using the classes as an opportunity to share with people uh, about workshops or different events I'm doing online that are coming up in the future to share about the podcast. So it's an opportunity to share about other things that are related. So I just wanted to let you know that was the background. And because of all of that, it's really gotten my creative um, juices flowing in terms of sequencing. And that's why I thought today would be a good way uh, to share some of that. And uh, just to give you some ideas, if you're out there as well, thinking about different kinds of sequences. So the first, um, the, the sequences that we're gonna talk about are really divided into two sections. One is just gonna be general ideas and one's gonna be a, a, a category of sequences that have an anatomical focus. So in the category of general ideas for sequences, the first one is strength building. Now, believe me, you could totally teach a general yoga flow and you would get plenty of opportunities to, uh, to strengthen. I think the difference when you're teaching a strength focused class is gonna be in your cues and what you choose to focus on. You could even shift this sort of theme to the anatomy theme section um, and really go into naming muscles and, and different uh, muscular actions. If you have it as a general theme, you can stick with just general yoga cues that refer to the different parts of the body that are strengthening in certain poses. So a really obvious one is if you're doing something that's very core focused, you could cue to the core and the strength that's building in that area. If you're doing something like a, any lunge type posture, like a warrior one or a warrior two or a crescent lunge, you could refer to the back leg since the hips in extension and the knee is in extension. You could refer to the strength building in that part of the body. Um, if you're doing twisting movements, you could refer to strength, uh, strength um, ability um, that's building in the twisting musculature around the spine or just again, core muscles. Certainly if you're holding poses longer like plank or side angle or side plank, you can refer to the strength that's building in those postures, uh, especially because of the isometric nature of those. So that just gives you, you know, kind of one idea where you can bring in strength as a general theme for a class. 
Another one that's a general theme is balance. Balance is a great sequencing theme because you can really look at it from both sides. You can look at it literally from the position of balancing postures and, and sharing with your students balancing postures. And you can also refer to balance in a class uh, from the perspective of kind of the life theme of balance. Like, are you living a life of balance? Do you feel balanced in your life? And that will give you an opportunity to talk about balance in a different context in the same class. So I think with a theme like that, you certainly have you know, plenty of postures that you can throw in there. You can also speak to some of the skills that develop when we do a lot of balancing poses, whether it's ankle strength or proprioception or working in an integrated way, because whenever we are balancing, we need to recruit more than just the muscles in the standing leg. We need to recruit core musculature, keep the head positioned over the body. So, you know, there are just a lot of different ways to talk about balance and certainly a lot of balancing poses. And, you know, keep in mind, it doesn't just have to be balancing poses on the feet. You could talk about, or you could share uh, balancing poses like boat pose. You can also switch up some of the standard balancing postures. So I recently did a uh, Instagram post, which you can see on my Instagram live section, where I did a variation of dancer's pose that's focused more on lengthening the quadriceps rather than typical dancer's pose, which is focused on lengthening the hip flexors. So I think um, balance is another great general theme. Another one is restorative. And so even if you're, you know, a, a general, even if your approach to teaching is to offer general yoga sequencing versus someone with a background in yin or restorative yoga specifically, you can certainly as a, as someone who presents general yoga, um, Hatha yoga, you could totally uh, focus on restorative in classes and that can be, again, not only based upon the postures you offer, but maybe the pace that you offer them. Maybe the cues that you offer speak a lot to different themes of self-care or compassion or allowing, you know, allowing yourself to be where you're at. So you can already start to see that once you identify the sequence uh, topic and set your intention for the sequence, you can really start to you know, map out how you're going to approach it. And there's really the dual sense of not just the poses and the cues, but also things that speak to the theme from a higher level perspective. And another general idea is just dynamic flow. So dynamic flow would speak to really moving people at a pretty good clip. So this would suggest you're going to be using pace as a variable and you're probably going to be turning up the pace a little bit. There's not going to be really long holds. Um, you're really not going to be kind of honing in from an alignment perspective. It's really like you're just letting the reins loose and you know, this is also a class from a sequencing perspective where you might string a bunch of things together and then repeat it on the other side and, um, and just kind of let people let loose. So that's another idea. And then the last general 
idea for sequencing is um, a fundamental flow. And this isn't just for beginners, although it would be great for beginners. It's really just going in with the intention of focusing on the fundamentals, meaning foundation and breath and gaze, and really just shifting all your cueing to focusing on those three things. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of cueing to the breath like all the time. I'm definitely not a huge proponent of including breathe in, breathe out in every single posture. I think it's a bit too much. And I think it gets in the way of um, us really communicating the essential like actions that we want people to do. And um, that's you know, it's definitely not to uh, cast dispersion on the importance of breath to a yoga practice. Um, it's just that to constantly be telling people about breathing, uh, I think is, a, is just not necessary, quite frankly. Now, again, if you want to uh, focus on fundamentals, you know, turn up the volume on breath cues for sure. Uh, and just have that be really one of the anchors for your sequence. So that's your general ideas, or those are some general ideas for sequencing. Just to reiterate them, you had strength building. We talked about balance, restorative flow, dynamic flow, and then fundamental flow. So now going into the anatomical focus, um, I'm going to give you a couple of different anatomy-based themes. So the first one is core. <laughs> so I kind of laugh about this one because I mean, gosh, in 15 plus years of teaching, I can definitely remember about 10 times that people came into class and said, hey, can we just focus on the core or can you make this really hard for the core or what are we going to do today for core? <laughs> um, and I always sort of laughed because, hey, we're always always focused on the core in all our practices, you know, the core stability and, and really calling on those stabilizing muscles is really part of every single yoga pose. Having said that though, you totally can hone in on the core musculature. And that's a really cool theme. You can start out by having people lay on their back and you can have them palpate the rectus abdominis. You can have them do a little crunching. You can have them cinch the sides of their hip, uh, waist in and tell them about the transversus abdominis. You can have them do a little bit of twisting, maybe a spinal twist on the floor, a little bit of side bending and talk to them about their inner and outer obliques. And then from there, you can take them through the sequence and just call out the different muscles as they're doing different things. So maybe in plank and low plank, you refer to transversus abdominis's contribution. Maybe in your twisting poses, you refer to the obliques. Maybe in your side bends like side angle, you refer again to the obliques and their contribution to side bending. Um, as you do um, kind of typical abdominal crunches or anything that's like pure core in your class, you refer to the rectus abdominis. Maybe as people come into crescent lunge, you have them engage Uddiyana Bandha and refer to the rectus abdominis and its contribution there to keeping the pelvis level. Maybe as they come into balances, you have them hug in and draw the belly button in and talk about the core musculature there. So there's lots of different ways 
to add that in. Uh, another anatomical theme is twisting. And when you bring up twisting, you know, we're talking about spinal movements and I'm sure there's plenty of poses that come to mind for you when you think about twisting postures. In terms of referring to the anatomy, you know, a really cool concept to bring in for people is twisting from the thoracic spine with just an acknowledgement that when they try to turn their heads a lot, they'll potentially miss out on moving through the middle part of their spinal column. And so what you can do in some of these postures is have them kind of set their gaze towards the floor. Let's say they're doing twisting crescent lunge and have them still rotate, but to take their head out of it, so to speak, and then turn their head at the last moment. And that'll ensure that they're really rotating through the thoracic spine and not just turning their head, which is so often the case. People just sort of turn their head a little bit to the side they're twisting to and they think, oh, I'm good. And meanwhile, there's really not a lot of rotation through the other parts of the spine. So twisting, you know, as I said, a lot of poses I bet you can think of that, um, that fall into this category. And then in terms of musculature, you can speak to inner and outer obliques. Uh, if you wanna get a little fancier, if you have the knowledge, you can speak to different muscles like the rotatores, rotatories, which are close to the uh, spinal uh, column there and also responsible for twisting. So, you know, again, just different, different anatomical themes. Another one that's a really good one is external rotation of the shoulders. This is a movement that's basically the opposite of hunching and one that, you know, people just don't do a lot. It's kind of like backbending. We just don't do a lot of backbending. We don't do a lot of hip extension. We don't do a lot of external rotation of the shoulders. When you look at the rotator cuff, you've got two muscles on the back of the shoulder, the teres minor and the infraspinatus that are responsible for external rotation. These tend to be weakened people because people hunch so much, they get a little overstretched. So it's really good to bring in some theming where people are doing a lot of external rotation. So you've got the cactus arms, you've got the interlace the fingers behind the back, you've got your up dog, your dancer's pose. You can do bow on the floor with a variation where people externally rotate their shoulders and grab the inner edges of the feet. Um, you have bridge pose with the arms, uh, the fingers interlaced underneath. So there's just a lot of different, even down dog, you can emphasize external rotation of the shoulders and down dog. So a lot of different poses where you can shine the light on that action. And then also speak a little bit to the benefit of focusing on external rotation. Another one is lower body strength. So lower body strength, you could focus on different cues that refer to especially gluteus maximus and its role in hip extension when people are in any kind of lunge. You can focus on um, uh, gluteus maximus and its contribution to things like chair pose, which is sort of like a squat in the gym. Um, you can do variations of chair pose like something that's more um, like a goddess type squat. That's also great because there, um, you know, you're using your glutes 
to prevent yourself, even though the glute's a hip extension muscle and in something like a squat, you're in hip flexion, your glutes are really what are contributing to holding you in place. So, you know, that eccentric lengthening is really there to prevent you from just flopping down onto the floor. So they are working <laughs> eccentrically in that shape to prevent how low you go or to mitigate how low you go. So um, lower body strength there, certainly things like half moon is a standing balance. Any other balance really can contribute also to being a good strengthener for the lower body. Bridge, wheel, these are active poses that use the glute max for hip extension, definitely fall into the category of strengthening lower body. Another one you can do is focusing on posterior chain musculature. So this is a nod to um, really fascia and how sometimes fascia is referred to as myofascial lines. And so when we look at the posterior line, if we start at the back of the head, we pick up on muscles like the levator scapula, we pick up on upper trapezius, and then going down, we come to middle trapezius, lower trapezius, rhomboids, you know, down the chain, uh, latissimus dorsi, quadratus lumborum, gluteus maximus, hamstrings, gastrocnemius. So you could theme all around postures that require we use the back body musculature. And this is a really good theme because again, posturally, where are people most of the time? They're really hunching forward. So this gives you a chance to strengthen those back body muscles. You know, great things to try are putting people on the floor on their belly, have them do locust, have them interlace their hands behind their head and lift up legs and chest, um, have them reach their arms forward and, and lift arms and legs and point toes, bow pose, um, interlace the fingers behind the back for a variation of lo locust. So these are all, you know, at least when it comes to having them on the ground, good back body postures to do. Uh, all your lunges fall into good strengthening for, for the posterior chain. And then all that external rotation, um, all the external rotation pieces we talked about in that earlier theme, they also qualify as uh, posterior chain work because external rotation is done by muscles in the back of the body you know, where internal rotation is done by muscles in the front. So those are anatomical themes. So I'll just review them again. You've got core, you've got twisting, external rotation of the shoulders, lower body strength and posterior chain focus. So I hope that was helpful. I mean, it, it gives you maybe just some ideas that you can use in your own kind of sitting down and creating sequences. I'll remind you that on the homepage of my website, I have a sequence building template, which is a two pager. It's a download PDF. It's a really um, just cool way to develop sequences. You can basically just fill out the sheet and you'll have your sequence and then save that and start to use that as, as kind of the way to build your sequences. So they're always in the same format and you start to develop a file, you know, kind of your own library of sequences. So just grab that download right on the homepage of my website, barebonesyoga.com. And, um, you know, just 
as we kind of wrap up this shorter episode here, just, um, you know, think about, you know, how can you make your classes more accessible? You know, certainly making them free will do that. Maybe making them shorter will do that. Maybe offering them at a different time will do that. Maybe the way you're queuing will make your classes more accessible. I mean, how are you making your cues easier for your students to understand? And this is so important when you're teaching online and you know you can't even see people if they have their cameras shut off. So you need to be really tuned into um, just making your cues super easy for people to understand. I've talked in the past about my format for queuing uh, in that I offer cues frameworks as a format you can use to um, really kind of make your queuing more organized, which not only helps your students, but helps you. And underpinning all of that is my format around the types of cues. Um, if you're interested in that kind of approach around queuing, I have a free uh, webinar on cues. I'm happy to share that with you. You can just DM me on Instagram for it and I'll, uh, I'll share it with you. Um, and then I'll just kind of just ask you, especially since this is a lot of what uh, I've shared with you today, are you teaching right now? You know, are you maybe a teacher who um, lost teaching opportunities because things closed down, they haven't opened back up, and you've been kind of maybe filling in your time with other things, maybe waiting for things to happen? You know, I would just encourage you not to wait anymore. There's no reason, there's nothing holding you back from just opening up your computer and just typing into Zoom a class and just offering that by sharing it on social media, emailing it to friends and family. I mean, I actually had my mom at one of my classes last week, which was so cool to have her there. So, you know, really think about offering free classes online as a way to start to get yourself back out there and get into a regular uh, schedule of teaching. I can't say enough about you know, the shift that will happen for you when you start to show up again for people on a regular basis. As a teacher, it's what we're here to do as a yoga teacher. And when we're not doing it, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I bet it will resonate with you in some way, maybe <laughs> to just that feeling of kind of like you're missing teaching, right? You're missing connecting with people through the modality of sharing yoga with them. Um, you know, of course, you talk to studios in your area. You know, this is just what's happening for me in the Boston area. If you live someplace where studios are really up and running, gyms have yoga classes that are up and running well, you live in a warm climate where you can still offer yoga outdoors, you know, just go for it. Just don't let, you know, your ego or your fear get in the way of preventing you from putting a stake in the ground and just saying to people, I am here and I want to teach you yoga. Um, talk to friends, maybe just send out a Zoom link to friends via email and keep it small as a way to just kind of get going. So I hope that you've enjoyed today's solo episode of the podcast. Remember that this Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time is my free workshop on um, concepts and exercise science that are helpful for yoga teachers to know. And when you register, you'll get that free 
workshop workbook. And then also check my virtual class page, virtual class page on my website, and you'll see the schedule for this week's free 30-minute online yoga classes. So thank you so, so much for listening. If you are still listening, you've made it to the end of the episode, and I'm so grateful that you are still focused in. I really acknowledge you. And stay tuned because at the end of this episode, there's just a a quick uh, notice or announcement about a really brief mini anatomy course that I recently created that you might be interested in. And podcast listeners only get a special discount for that. So have a great week and I will see you next Monday or see you virtually or see you through the podcast lines next Monday for the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Until then, thank you as always for listening and namaste. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27, so the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next step section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses, and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, enter the code podcast, and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.